0: to the Redeemer 20s Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse verse 1. As he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Teacher, Rabbi, that's a warm term. Rabbi, teacher, who sinned? This blind man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, But that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. And they said to him, Then how are your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? Where is Jesus? He said, I don't know. I've been seeing for like 10 seconds. How do I know where he is? (laughs) No, he didn't say that. And so they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day. Everyone say, "Uh uh-oh. Because um, Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And the man said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. It's like, it's shorter. He's almost getting more impatient. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How could a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them, and they said to the blind man, What do you say about him, speaking of Jesus, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man. So interrogation number three, who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, for he is of age he will speak for himself. Now the parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Christ, confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And that's what we'll stop for this week. We'll pick pick up the rest of the text next week let's pray lord we thank you for your word that's like rain and it falls upon the earth and it causes growth it causes green things to spring up It causes life to come up that's what your word is that's a picture of your living word and so i pray for every heart here in this beautiful space um Lord, that you'd be working on them, that you would be encouraging them, that you'd be calling them to yourself, Christian or not, that we would be drawing near to you, repenting of sin, praising you with our hearts. Lord, let our faith be strengthened. Let our desire to pour into our neighbor next to us and to take initiative in their life spiritually. I pray that that would grow and that all this, our church, Redeemer Church, would grow into a beautiful growth that displays you to our city. We pray that for our ministry and for our church. Um, and just, Lord, teach us through this text um, with what you would want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so my title tonight is called God at Work. God at Work. And I take that from those signs. When I, when I, when I thought about the title, it's, have you ever been on a, in a construction zone and there's those triangle orange signs that say at work? Well, that's kind of what I, I thought of when I, when, this, when I came up with this title. God is at work. God at work. And um, so the, how my points are going to go, I want to give you five keys to seeing God at work in your life. Five keys to seeing God at work. All, all in favor of, of seeing more God at work in your life. Anybody, anybody want that? Yeah. Well, the Bible says that God is working. He is working in our lives, amen? God is working all things according to His plan. That's Ephesians 1 verse 11. That He's taking everything that occurs and He's working it according to His purposes and His plan. So my question is though, why do some people not see it? Why do some of us struggle to see God at work? Why do some people seem to see God in everything You know, God is, oh, God's doing this in my life and he just provided this and I'm so excited. Why do some people seem to see God at work in everything and some others just don't see him at all? Um, Even Christians. And so um, in John chapter nine, what happens is this man gets healed. Miraculous miracle by Jesus. And there's four parties that completely miss this amazing miracle that Jesus does. They miss it and so the question is how can we how can we by God's grace avoid this error and see God see what he's doing in our lives because he is he is working um and so the first the first thing let's just go right through the text first one Jesus saw a man blind from birth and his disciples this is the first party they asked him rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind and uh you know that's that's kind of a narrow question to give Jesus. Hey, is it this one or this one? Um, and uh, but there's a couple things going on here. First, um, there was a belief that um, that the soul pre-existed birth. So so they ask him, was it the man that sinned? Is that why he was born blind? Um, and Jesus says neither. But w- what it was is this um, this teaching that humans were eternal, and so that's not true. And, and Jesus refutes it. Um, but then he goes, we, are, we, we do live eternally into the future, but we, we come into existence at a point. And so, um, but then secondly, they say, was it because his parents? Was he born blind because his parents sinned? <clears throat> now, um, this is actually a real thing. Um, they may be speaking of, you know, the generational curses that Exodus 34 talks about, where God will visit the iniquity of the parents upon the children. Um they, but what this comes out of is a misunderstanding of that, um, because what that means is you know some of us are more prone to sin because of some of the things that our parents um, maybe maybe did um, sadly, but Jesus can free us from that amen there are some things there are some things that your parents put in you that um, that will make you like if your parents um, yeah had some outward hurtful sin that you might be more. Um, and just in every way, you might be more, um, have a higher proclivity toward that sin, but Jesus can rescue you for that, from that. So, but these, that these disciples are thinking, oh, it's because his parents sinned, this man's blind. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's, that's wrong. Um, he redirects them. He says in verse three, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that's my first point. So five keys to seeing God at work. Number one, you have to understand God's sovereignty. You have to have a, a category for God's sovereignty. If you don't have this theological brick in your foundation, in the foundation of your, of your, um, of your theology, you're going to have a hard time seeing God at work. And what this is, 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 what it means that God is sovereign is that God rules everything. And so um, a Christian understands that every event in their life comes to them from a good God who loves them and wants their good. Now, what is good? Good is um, God's definition of good. So it's our sanctification. God is orchestrating everything for his ultimate glory and our good. Um, An illustration of this, um, God doesn't leave leave life up to chance. It's not like a game of Yahtzee. Have you ever played Yahtzee? Yahtzee, it's a complete game of chance. So if Olivia, my sister, ever beats me, I don't have to worry, because I didn't actually lose. It's a game of chance. She didn't win, no. It's a game of chance. You just throw the dice, and it's... See, I like games where I can control the outcome, you know? So I'm not a big Yahtzee fan, but it's okay if you like Yahtzee. A lot of chance in that game. That's not how God runs the universe, amen? It's not He's not throwing dice and going, I created this world, hope it turns out. No. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says that he's working everything according to the counsel of his will, according to his purpose. It's not a game of chance. A good illustration of this is Genesis 38 um, of the life of Joseph. And if you know about Joseph, his, his uh, deceitful evil brothers sell him into slavery because they hate him. And the story turns so dark because he's sold into slavery. He's, he's shipped off into Egypt, thousands of miles away from his family. He thinks he'll never see his parents again. And yet God ends up orchestrating it to put Joseph on the throne in Egypt and to save the people of Israel through this, through this famine. And so God takes this really evil act that his brothers meant toward him and uses it for good. Joseph even says uh, what you meant for evil, brothers. God meant for good. And again, this all comes back to God's sovereignty. That God is orchestrating everything according to his purpose. Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism um, refers to it as this. God's providence is the almighty power by which God upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. He rules them in order that everything... Rain or drought, fruitful and unfruitful years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, and everything else might come to us, not by chance, but from God's sustaining hand. Hmm. Everything is from, from God's sustaining hand. And why am I saying this? Because if you don't have a category for God's sovereignty, you're going to miss God working in your life everywhere. God is at work everywhere in your life. But if you don't understand this, you're going to miss it. And so this is such an important lens. Let's get really practical. This is such an important pair of glasses that you need to learn how to put on as a Christian. It's the lens of God loves me. And so every event in my life is made to to sanctify me, to bring me more in Christ likeness. Today, this is a great time to preach this sermon because both my kids are sick. And so it's really easy to be like what did I do wrong? They're both sick and I can't sleep. But no, I can reinterpret that with my with my understanding of God's love for me and his his sovereign rule. I can interpret that as God loves me. God wants to increase my 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 love and my care. He wants to teach me how to sacrifice as he sacrificed for me. And, and the more I learn that, the more joy I'm going to have in life. The more Christ-likeness I have, the more Christ-likeness God creates in me through the, the events that he brings my way, the more joy I can have, the more joy I'm brought. Um, another illustration, <clears throat> it's just in, in general. When you, when you get laid off from a job, what do you think? When a relationship goes south, when you have conflict in your life, when the money just isn't there, what's your, how do you interpret that? What are the glasses that you're wearing? Because you're going to miss God's amazing hand working in your life if you don't understand God's sovereignty. And I want you to see God at work in your life. Amen? You want to see that? Got to understand God's sovereignty. Number two, uh, you got to get involved. And that's, um, that's my point number two, get involved. Verse 4 says, Jesus, so he continues, he says um, to the disciples, look, guys, you're confused. You're wrong. It's not that he sinned or his parents sinned. It's that God wanted, I wanted to display my works through this blind man. I wanted to give him sight. And you're going to see that. We're going to see that in a few minutes. But then verse 4, he says, we must work the works, talking of him and his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so my point here is, is, is um, so let's just explain what Jesus is saying here first. He says, "Day, uh, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. Anybody want to raise their hand? What, what's What's he talking about here? Is he saying that, hey, we're going to go to bed really soon. Your bedtime's early. You better get the works done. Night's coming. No, that's not it. They didn't even have a concept of time back then, interestingly enough. What does he mean, day and night here? Anybody want to raise your hand, Corey? Judgment day, comes. Judgment day night. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's talking about life and death. So what he's saying is... Um, We need to work the works of God. We need to respond to the grace that God has poured on our hearts through faith and respond in good works while we still have breath in our lungs. That's what he's saying to the disciples. You need to get busy. You need to work. Um, You need to join in my work in response to my love for you, disciples. You need to get busy. And um, I think this is, man, I just, this is a great point I think Jesus makes because um, you know, man, I really want to see God work in my life. And I just don't see him. And how many of you have experienced this, uh, this situation? I, cause I experienced this when I got saved, I had this massive growth spurt and I just ate up everything. I was reading my Bible and I was praying and I had so much faith, but then like after a little while, it just felt like I plateaued and I'm like, man, what happened? I feel like I've fallen off. I don't feel like I have the same affection. Has anybody, has everybody felt like that before? Like, I once had this affection, now I don't. Yeah. Well, what what I love about the point that Jesus makes it here is, is that there's a certain level of spiritual maturity that you can reach, or there's a certain limit on your spiritual maturity that you can reach without getting involved in other people's lives for spiritual good discipleship. So what I mean is if you are not discipling others, you're going to have a hard time growing further. And I think that was what I had to cross over is, um, I thought that Christianity was a solo race, right? I got to grow. I got to see, I got to get, go to church to get filled up. And that's true. But Christian maturity is about Turning outward, right? It's about loving your neighbor. It's about discipling. That's why, has anybody ever seen the path of discipleship at our church? The card. That's why step number five is reproduce disciplers. Because there's a certain level of maturity that you can't go beyond as a Christian until you start turning to your left and your right and saying, let me help you follow Christ. Hey guys, this whole sin thing that we we're going on that we got going on, let's let's repent. Let's turn to God. Let's figure this out together. And, and until you get that, if you have a self-inward sense of how you lead, lead the Christian life, um, you're, gonna, you're not going to see God work as much as you could. Um, and I think our culture doesn't, doesn't do us good in this way. Because um, you know, I think a lot of times we view church as a vending machine. You know, what can we get out of church today? I walk in. What can fill me up? How can I receive from this gathering right and that's completely backwards if you want to see God work if you want to see God work in your life say come to 20s come to church on Sunday saying where can I use these two hands that God has given me where can I use this breath in my lungs how can I put this to use for my father in heaven where can I put my energy toward who can I encourage in this space tonight who is downcast that I can put my hand upon and pray for tonight who can I encourage and, and pray for? Who can I help them learn how to read the Bible? Man, you're going to be on the way to seeing God work if you're getting involved like that. Why do I say all these things? I, I, I love seeing God at work. And I want, I want to see more of God at work in my life. And I want you to see that too. And it, and it starts with, and, it, and it, the second point is, is, look outward. We must work the works of Him who sent me Jesus says while it is day night is coming So night is coming Do you understand that We are uh, life short right You're only going to have breath in your lungs for a short amount of time Let's get busy God has loved us God has given us his own son as a propitiation for our sins He has He has given us his holy spirit we must respond in worship and work. And there's so much work to be done in the church. Amen. It, all around us. Man, I want I want you to see God work. And it happens when we start to disciple one another and, and receive it. So understand God's sovereignty. Get involved. And number three, avoid empty talk. You want to see God at work in your life? Avoid empty talk. So um, before I get there, we got to see what, this, uh, what happens to this blind man. So verse 6, Jesus says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made saliva. And he made mud with his saliva. Everyone say gross. gross. No, that, no, no, no. no. Okay, so you, you'll be ready for it. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Gross. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went back and he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, first of all, I, I can't let that word anointed go. It's just, like if I spit on the ground, like and like made mud with my hands and I came over to Daniel here and I went, be anointed. Like that, anointed doesn't fit that. What I just did, right? It's more like smeared plastered. Give me some more words, like Ugh. That's not anoint anyway, it's just funny. That's an interesting word. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and he said to him, Go and wash in the pool, and he came back seeing. Everyone say miracle. Miracle. This man had been blind from birth. His disciples are trying to have a a conversation about him. You know like a what's new in the news, but Jesus sees him for who he is, He sees where he is, He sees that he's been blind his whole life and cares about him and 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 uh, and heals him and and next week, I want to go more into that miracle and what it what it reveals um, and what it means spiritually, but for now we'll just marvel at the miracle and we'll realize what the neighbors do. <laughs> Verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but it's like him. I don't know. I can't do it voices very well, but, uh, you know, is this not the man? No, it's he. No, it's him. No, no, he's like the man. No, it's him. No, but... Maybe, you know, there's this whole chatter about this man. And what's sad is this guy's just gotten healed. And what are they talking about? Wait, is that him? Is that the guy who was blind? I think so. No, it's not him. Like what? Miracle. This guy just got healed. And here they are just talking, um, chit chatting, empty talk. Um, the Bible refers to it as vain talk, idle talk. Um, Second Timothy 2.16 says, but avoid empty talk for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Um, and so, so you want to see God work in your life? Avoid this kind of talk, the empty talk. Um, my mom used to say, Luke, you have two ears and one mouth. You have two ears and one mouth. So that means you should listen more than you talk. Yeah, mom, that's true that's true uh yes she said that many times to me as a young man i love my mom um but i wonder i wonder this is this is really i wonder if we miss things that god's doing just because we're not listening we're talk 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 oh my opinion on that is this oh you want my opinion on this and i'm so guilty of this so i don't this is not meant to like bash anybody I'm so guilty of this but just idle chatter when this man has been healed they could have said so many other things there could have been so many other words of encouragement for this man praise God for what he's done in your life <laughs> that's amazing Jesus is the is the Messiah but they resort to this is this the man no it's not the man I think it's the man and they totally miss um, God working Jesus working here in the text And so they said to him, verse 10, then how were your eyes open? So they're trying to figure out if this is the man. Verse 11, he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. He didn't change the word, interestingly enough. So he thinks anointed. And said to him, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? Where's Jesus? He said, I don't know. Anyway, it's just funny to ask a guy who's like been seeing for 10 minutes. Like, where did Jesus go? Anyway. um, And so they brought him to the Pharisees. And here's the next point. Um, Five keys to see God work in your life. Understand God's sovereignty. Get involved. Avoid empty talk. Number four, humble yourself. Humble yourself. And so verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, um, if uh, the Pharisees had added extra rules to the Sabbath. So it wasn't that this man was not keeping the Sabbath. And Jesus sought to expose that in the Pharisees' heart often. That they had misinterpreted that command. Um, if you uh, want a good sermon on the ten on the Ten Commandments on the Sabbath command, there was a great one by J.T. Pastor J.T. a couple weeks back, and actually Pastor Matt as well preached on the same text for Redeemer South. So if you want a double sermon on the Sabbath, what it really means for us today, that's a little plug for that message. You can find it online. So, um, but but to to boil it down, the Pharisees have created these extra rules around the Sabbath. And now they're angry because Jesus has healed this man on the Sabbath, which means that their authority is being undermined because they're the religious teachers of the day. They're supposed to, you know, you can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do that. And here comes Jesus and he heals a guy and they're going, they're, they're feeling undermined. Their authority is being lessened. They're feeling diminished. Uh, They want the place of honor. They want to be esteemed. And here Jesus is stepping in on their understanding of the Sabbath day. He's saying, no, guys, you don't have it right. Now, that doesn't sit well with the Pharisees because they want the place of honor, right? But because that, they miss what Jesus does. They miss the, the amazing work that he does here. And I don't want you to do the same thing. And so, again, the point is to humble ourselves. If we want to see God at work in our lives, we have to humble ourselves. Um, And so I just wrote, when we fixate on 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 receiving honor from others, how they feel about us, we're setting ourselves up to miss what God is doing. If you go in and serve in the kids' ministry... And you're wondering, I wonder what people think of me if I'm a good servant or not. You're totally going to miss what God is going to do in your group or in the in the in the in the in the group. You're going to miss it because you're focused on yourself. You're focused on what people perceive you as. Um, it's like uh, you're not going to see God work that way. It's like it's like going down into a well and trying to see the sunrise. You can't do it. You're not going to see God work if you're fixated upon yourselves like the Pharisees here. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And so the application of this is more of God's glory and less of your own glory. More of God's glory and less of your own glory. I think that's so important. We were just talking about getting involved, right? We are just talking about, hey, my neighbor next to me, how can I help him or her love the Lord and how can I encourage them? Well, what's your motivation? If it's for your own glory, you're going to miss what God's going to do. But if it's for God's glory, you're going to be in the perfect seat. You're going to have the seat over the valley watching the sun rise. And you're going to be in the perfect vantage point to see God work. Humble yourself. And then finally, um, let's go on to the parents. So we've seen Jesus, his interaction. He's healed this guy. The disciples miss it because they don't understand God's sovereignty yet. The crowds miss it. The Pharisees miss it. And then finally, the parents, his his own parents miss it, who who know him. So verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. So uh, order in the court. I'm going to call my next witness. Parents, where are you? Come up here. We're going to ask you, is this guy, has he really been blind from his birth? And so they asked him, verse 19, is this your son who you have seen? You say was born blind? How does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him for he is of age. He will speak for himself. And now we get to their motivation, for they said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said to him, he said to them, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man, who had been blind, and, and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Whether he's a sinner or not, we do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind and now I see. So again, we'll, we'll get into that story of, of looking at the spiritual condition that he illustrates next week. But I want you to see how the parents here, the parents are so concerned. They're actually, they're filled with fear about what the, the, the Pharisees are going to do them. That they don't testify to the work that Jesus has done. They say, they say, uh, yeah, he. we know he was blind and now he sees, but we don't really know how he sees. I don't think that's true <laughs> because it, it says in the text, they said that because they feared the Jews. And so finally, if you want to see God work, be bold, be bold. God has loved you, Christian. He has forgiven you. He has given you his Holy Spirit. He has said, go be my witnesses in the world. And, I want, and, and if you want to see God working, be bold. The, the, the parents fear the Jews, and so they miss what God is doing. And so this is a great principle. A spirit of fear is always going to cause us to miss. It's going to, it's going to cause us to have very narrow vision to what God's doing in our life. Um, a good illustration of this is the disciples when they were on the Sea of Galilee, right? They're on the Sea of Galilee with the Creator of the universe surfing the waves of the of the sea, but they're not seeing it like that because they're filled with fear. And Jesus speaks a word, and the sea is calmed. But they they miss it. They 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 miss the full picture of what Jesus does, and they don't even get it till later. Um, Because they're filled with fear. And I think this is a really important thing for us to learn. That um, as Christians, we can be bold. We can step in to what God has called us to. And and when we do that, when we speak with authority, when we speak with the opportunities that God gives us, God meets us there. He he allows us to see his work. And so, um, really practical application. When you have chances to speak for Christ, take them. When you have opportunities to speak for Christ, it's not gonna be perfect. It's not gonna be perfect. You're not, you might not get the whole gospel out, but when you have opportunities to speak, do it, be bold, because you're gonna see God work. You're gonna see him use it. You're gonna see, I've seen so many times where I've seen saying, I've said a phrase, you know, like God loves you, God cares about you. Hey, you you need to repent of your sins. God loves you and he's calling you to repent. And not, and just kind of said that and, and, kind of had to pray the Lord used it. Um, But then I I see it come back around. And God uses that boldness. Um, God used the boldness of the the disciples in in the early chapters of Acts, right? These fishermen, not really educated. This Jesus who you crucified, God has crowned king. And they were so bold and and God used their influence. And they had a front row seat to what God was doing. And so I, I don't want you to miss that um, I don't want you to miss that. Five keys to seeing God at work in your life. God is at work. And I want to end with this John Piper quote. I love this. Um, it's just about how God um, is at work. Um, he says, lift up your eyes. So we can practice this right now. Lift up your eyes, Christian. Lift them up to the deep blue sea. Lift them up to the brilliant whiteness of the billowing clouds. Lift up your eyes to the unfathomable star filled darkness of the night. Lift them up to the misty mountain ranges and to the rivers that have run for a thousand years, and to the mighty trees that took their time to become imperceptibly strong, and to the orange daylilies and the purple vines and the yellow souled daisies, and to the ripple free lakes at dusk, and the great bow of the ocean horizon. Take your eyes off your computer, off your mirror, off your pain, off your dead dream, off your self-pitying lust. God is speaking to you. He is waving a thousand flags to get your attention. He has more to give you than you have ever tasted or felt or dreamed. The price he paid to satisfy his people with never dying joy and ever new beauties was great. Don't push him away. I love that. There's so much more going on. God, give us eyes for the unseen, right? We're so prone to what we can see with our eyes. God, make us men and women of the unseen, Lord. Make us have much faith, Lord. Help us to see what you are doing. I want to see God at work, don't you? Yeah. Next week, we're going to get into the fact that this man um, is a picture of God of our spiritual blindness as sinners, that God, um, that we have no hope of saving ourselves. We're like a blind person and we need Christ to open our eyes to the gospel. And I'm not, um, assuming that everyone is a Christian here today. I know that there are people who aren't Christians and you are welcome here. Um, but what the Bible says is that you are, um, that we all were once spiritual blind. And then if you are not a Christian, you are spiritual blind, spiritually blind. And and then, unless you repent and believe in the gospel, unless you turn away from your sins, um, you're going to be judged by God. And so um, the Bible just calls to you. Jesus calls to you out of this text. God's calling you tonight to repent, turn away from your sins. Trust him. Um, And for the Christians here, be encouraged. God is at work all around you, even through your circumstances, through the things that you can't understand. Let's, let's learn to frame them with a, with a biblical mindset, with a biblical framework. God loves us. God is for us. God wants to shape up us in his image. Let's pray. Father in heaven, <laughs> you're, so, you're so above understanding. You're so above what we can see. And God, you are calling us to repent of our sin and turn away even Christians that we, to repent every day. And to trust you every day. Uh, Lord, whatever, the, the same faith, the same repentance that saves us is, is how we get sanctified. Your Holy Spirit sanctifies us. So, Lord, continue to bear fruit in repentance in, this, in our hearts. I pray that you'd make us, uh, you turn our eyes away from a consumeristic mindset. And that you'd focus us on on the community, on others, on what we can give rather than what we can receive. For that is what you did, Jesus. You came to serve and to give your life away as a ransom for many. So Lord, help us tonight. Um, Help us to be encouraged through through the word. In Jesus' name, amen.